You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday after a weekend's worth of games here for the Pelicans, splitting them going one in one, which might be okay in other circumstances, but we're at the end of the season. These two lo- the win last night against the, uh, the Sacramento Kings, there we go, really hurts the Pelicans in the tanking standings. We're going to recap both those games for you here on the Locked On Pelicans podcast, and then take a look at the standings as we head towards the final game of the regular season on Tuesday. Mercifully, all of this will soon be over for Pelicans fans, and we can start look to start, start to look, there we go, towards a brighter future as they start a rebuild this offseason. So let's cover it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So first up is the game Friday night against the Phoenix Suns, a 133-126 loss for the Pelicans in overtime. Hooray! As the Phoenix Suns kind of hurt their chances at the number one overall pick now, too. They actually can't get number one at all now. They're fighting with the Cleveland Cavaliers for the second overall pick as these two teams kind of figure out who's going to be two and three. You're going to hear a theme over these two games, and that's Ian Clark doing his best to earn himself some more money, but also harm the Pelicans' future in the meantime. Ian Clark in the starting lineup for this game on Friday against the Suns, 24 points in about 40 minutes of action. He was four of seven from three in this one, chipped in four rebounds, four assists as well, basically just trying to do everything for this Pelicans team to win the game, which, you know, he's a guy on an expiring deal. He's going to be a free agent this offseason. He's trying to gun and get his points, get his money, so I don't blame him. But, oh, my God, Ian Clark, just stop it. The Pelicans almost need to bench him. Normally, you'd think playing Ian Clark is good for a couple of losses, given the way he's played this season, but is the exact opposite of it in this game and then the Kings game, which we'll talk about coming up. Alfred Payton was excellent in this one for him, you know, in almost 44 minutes of action because virtually no one played for the Pelicans this one. No AD, no um, Drew Holiday, no Frank Jackson, Darius Miller out, Etwan Moore out, Stanley Johnson was out. Basically, they're just no bodies whatsoever. So guys are going to play heavy minutes in this one. Alfred Payton played almost 44 of them, 14 points, 12 assists on the night. Kind of fun. He was just zipping around doing his thing. Jalil Okafor in the starting lineup, 11 points, six boards, three assists. That's nice to see from him um, to keep the ball moving. That's a way you can get into the starting lineup next year. Kenrich Williams, one of three from deep, three of seven overall from the field. Nine points on the night, four assists, four rebounds. Again, he's been really quiet, and we'll start doing you know season and reviews on a number of these players. He's going to be a really interesting one to look at. Has he really shown enough to be put into the starting lineup, depending on what the roster looks like next season? Julius Randle was outstanding in this game here. 31 points on the night, 13 of 24. He was 0 for 2 from deep, but 5 of 11 from the free throw line, so not good there either. 14 rebounds, 3 assists, 5 turnovers. At one point, he was just kind of the offense for the Pelicans, but went really quiet 
late in the game as the Pelicans basically just weren't able to keep up with the Phoenix Suns late in the game. They actually had a 15-point lead in this one, but turning the ball over 15 times compared to just seven for the Phoenix Suns is certainly going to be an easier way to get that loss for you. The Suns, by the way, weren't playing with really anyone either. No Devin Booker, no DeAndre Ayton in this one. Um, Jimmy Fredette didn't play, if that matters to you all at, uh, whatsoever. And basically no one of any importance for him, no Kelly Oubre Jr. either. They were missing, I think, their four top scorers we talked about on the pod on Friday. Um, well, Josh Jackson did his damage, 35 points for him on the night. Jamal Crawford, the gunner off the bench, 28 points for him. It was enough. And the Phoenix Suns beat the Pelicans. The Pelicans at this point in time, we're 32 and 48, looking to kind of move up in the tanking standings. This was a good loss to have here. Put the Pelicans basically in a tie for sixth place in the NBA draft lottery odds. But that's going to change when we look at the game coming up against the Sacramento Kings. So before we get to the very frustrating win, which is not what you want to be saying, and that's when you know your season has gone completely wrong, remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, seriously, there's too many, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features added every single day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. So going into last night's game against the Sacramento Kings, the Pelicans were in seventh place, looking potentially to be in a tie for six with Washington and Memphis, depending on how some of the things shook out. And then looking at the better lottery odds that potentially come with it. Seventh place, you've got a 26.3% chance, so about one in four chance of getting into the top four and a 6% overall chance at the number one pick. Not great odds, but not bad if, you know, you're looking at this sort of thing. That changes dramatically, though, when you win a game, as we're going to see here. So the Pelicans, with the game against the Sacramento Kings, win 133-129, unable to lose in this one, despite it at times trying. But they got off to a pretty decent start in the first and second quarter, kind of just getting it going late in the second to really close out the half when they were kind of down and then seizing control of this one. No Julius Randle in this game. That's real. the, the other big notable omission from it um, that he was kind of available to play, they said, but very unlikely to, and he didn't get a single minute in this one. So the Pelicans kind of trying to tank and lose, whether it's on purpose or what have you, they didn't want to win this game. But then Ian Clark... That motherfucker showed back up to the tune of 31 points on the night. 7 of 15 from 3. We haven't seen a game like that from him. And if he had these games earlier in the year, Ian, maybe things are a little bit different now. That's an exaggeration. He was 11 of 21 on the night overall. Again, 31 points, 3 assists, 4 rebounds. He played well. Started chucking late in the game. Missed a couple of shots, though. That kind of let the Kings get back in it. But ultimately, just not able to get it done. Kenrich Williams did his best to try and aid the Pelicans in tanking as well. Getting a big rebound and then completely turning the ball over on an awful pass that gave the Kings a shot um, when they were down three. And then they airballed the three, unable to tie the game up. But good on you, Kenrich, for trying your best. Kenrich finished with 12 points on the night. Five rebounds, including that real big one there if you were hoping for a win. 
five assists. He's at least had that going for him in three turnovers. One of those was an awesome turnover and needed. Christian Wood in the starting lineup for the Pelicans in place of Julius Randle, 14 points, seven rebounds. Not his most effective shooting night. He was five of 14 from the field overall, but two of three from deep, which is encouraging. We've seen him be able to stretch his game out to the perimeter and showing that a little bit more consistency uh, consistently will get you a rotation spot next season. Jalil Okafor, 35 minutes on the night in the starting lineup, 23 points, 14 boards. He went one of one from deep. You don't really see him taking that shot. We see him in warmups and in practice on occasion, but not really in games. He took it. He made it. That was actually just kind of cool. Alfred Payton, 26 points on the night, 14 assists to go along with six rebounds. He's been good. You know, you almost hope the Pelicans will bring him back next year. Um, and we'll see. Depends on the money. Solomon Hill went three of seven from deep. Seriously, these dudes are hitting threes all of a sudden. He finished with 13 points on the night. And Bertons, who has not been able to make shots for the life of him in his short NBA audition here, two of five from deep. You had three, you had five threes off the bench between Hill and Bertons um, combining. And it's like, come on, when were, these guys never hit and they hit in this game, which was not really what the Pelicans wanted to see. Harrison Barnes, 29 points for the Kings on the night. De'Aaron Fox finished with 24. Buddy Heald was two of 10 from three. You couldn't do better for us, man. You're in a great spot there. You're playing well. You're making your threes. And then you just go ice cold against your former team. You're supposed to have a revenge game and win it for the Kings. He was off. And yeah, basically that's how it goes. 133-129 win for the Pelicans. That drops them to ninth in the NBA lottery. And well, that's... Not really what you want to see from a team like that. And it's unfortunate and it's just kind of how it goes. So we'll see how this impacts the lottery odds. We'll take a look at where that puts the Pelicans in the standings, what to look forward uh, to for the next week or so, handful of games that are left out there. And we'll see how the lottery odds shake out in the Pelicans' favor in the future. So even though the Pelicans aren't in playoff contentions, there's a number of other teams that are. Games are going to be close down the stretch. It's a little bit interesting. The Celtics just allowed the Orlando Magic to get into the playoffs while also dealing with injuries of their own. This is going to impact the way everything goes in the postseason. Best way to keep up with all of that is the Locked On NBA podcast. Monday through Friday, you can subscribe to it through the Himalaya podcast and app. So make sure you listen and subscribe daily to the Locked On NBA podcast. So that loss hurt the Pelicans, dropping them to ninth. Had things kind of shaken out the way you would have liked to have seen them, which there was a chance of it happening, the uh, Pelicans could be tied for six, giving them a 37.2% chance at the top four spot with a 9% chance at number one overall. Now, falling from six to nine or, you know, seven to nine, however you really want to look at it, the Pelicans have a 20.3% chance at the top four. So it's still one in five. It's not terrible. It's not amazing. Um, and then a 4.5% chance at the number one overall selection. They've got one game remaining. It's against the Golden State Warriors on Tuesday. The Warriors, I believe, have home court advantage through the Western Conference all locked up, meaning they're likely not going to play anyone. So that goes from potentially looking like a loss to potentially looking like a win, impacting the Pelicans even more potentially. They cannot drop 
below nine at this point, no matter what. The next closest team, Minnesota, has 36 wins. The Pelicans have 33. But it could potentially impact ties and if maybe they move up or down, depending on what Memphis and Dallas do. If the Pelicans win, they're locked in at nine. Simple as that, basically. Then Memphis and Dallas each are on 32 wins with two games left to go. So maybe they can tie the Pelicans if they win both of those. That's going to be unlikely to happen. So you're looking at the Pelicans maybe being stuck where they are. Nine is looking like the most likely scenario where maybe it would have been a little bit different had the team lost. But what what can you do? These are guys that want to go out and want to play. They're not thinking about tanking when they're out on the court. Neither is Alvin Gentry. And you've got to keep that in mind when you get frustrated with the team after a win like they had on Sunday night. Gentry's a coach, wants to win games. That's what he's paid to do. Players want to go out there and play and also try and win. They're competitive. They're wired that way. And they don't want to just roll over and not play well so that the team, which would easily get rid of them if it benefited them in any sort of way or the team in any sort of way, can't go out and just roll over for that. They want to get their points. They want to get their money. And they just want to play basketball and compete. That's what they do. So it's it's a tough situation. Not really much else you can kind of do about it. So Washington's got uh, one game left. So basically they're either at six or seven most likely. And this is kind of how it's going to shake up. So the Pelicans are going to have a one in five chance getting into the top four in a three-person draft. Though then four to ten, as I've said, it's a toss-up. You watch a lot of these guys. Look at even a guy like Jarrett Culver with Texas Tech who could fall in that four to ten range is going to be a potentially a very good player. Are they as good as those top three guys? No, not really. But you're going to get a pretty good player in four to ten. And I don't think it's necessarily something that you should really bemoan the fact that the Pelicans didn't defy the odds and move on up and are able to get Zion Williamson or John Morant. Those are the two that I think everyone's really looking for. So Pelicans hurt themselves a little bit, but as I've said, I'm not overly worried about this. And all you need is that one combination to come up. Yes, it helps to have more combinations because then you have more chances at that top combination coming up. But at the end of the day, and I've said this to a lot of people, and I've said it here on the podcast, the Pelicans were fourth in the lottery slated when they had uh, the chance to get Anthony Davis. The Cavs were three. The Cavs won the tiebreaker that put them at three, but the Pelicans' number came up in their spot at four, and had they won the tiebreaker, then they wouldn't have selected Anthony Davis, and it would have been the Cavs with the number one overall pick. That's how fickle some of this stuff can kind of be. It just... It, all it takes is one combination, and everyone has an equal shot kind of at that one four-number combination coming up. So as long as you get that, you can move up, and that's all that matters. We'll see if that's what happens with the Pelicans on lottery night, but they have hurt themselves a little bit and make that less likely. So it's probably time to start looking at prospects 4-10, to 10, ideally in the night spot. Now, the way it can work in the lottery, and we'll, of course, go over this the day before lottery uh, night, Pelicans can move down four spots. You can only jump into the top four. So the worst you can do is drop down um, four positions if four teams behind the Pelicans jump up into the top four. Highly unlikely. It's probably more likely they'll drop down a spot than anything else. Um, So we'll see. And this gets interesting. We can look at different combinations and things like that and who they might be starting to look at there. No news on the GM front, at least when I'm recording this. We'll see if anything comes out, but you have to figure it might be toward, uh, after Tuesday, though they have been interviewing. It sounds like some of them have been going well. Um, you know, obviously there are some front runners, some not front runners. You can probably guess who they are, who the team is looking at, what they want. And hopefully we'll get an update on that sooner rather than later.
So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget you can get this show daily through the new Himalaya podcast app as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.